curtains, haters swerving cause they ain't ready for your final version. I'm never gonna give up, give up, fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, yeah. Cause this is my run, let's camera action, I'm ready to go. I'm never gonna give up, give up, fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, yeah. Good morning everyone, this is the Tom Ficklin Show and it's really a pleasure once again to be involved with WNHH 103.5 FM. Uh, we talk about it being a community radio station, and but this community is not a it's not a, a locality based. We're, we're actually a global uh, show, a global station, because whatever we're talking about, it might be located from a GPS standpoint in New Haven or in Connecticut or even in a particular neighborhood. But the issues are global. The issues are global in terms of uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And how is that? perceived and implemented and really manifested. So we'll talk, many of our shows uh, focus on solutions, not just uh, quantification, but solutions. So today, really a pleasure to kind of provide an update to folks in terms of what the Connecticut and INCK means, an update in terms of, uh, you're going to hear more about what this INCK thing is all about and what's new in the in our particular neighborhood, some some specific neighborhoods here in New Haven. Uh, and my, my guests this morning are Melanie Versace, Executive Director, um, excuse me, for uh, for the world, no, but <laughs> Executive Director for the Clifford Beards Community Care Center, Jennifer Richmond, Project Director and Vice President of Population Health at Clifford Beards as well. Reverend Bonita Grubbs is with us, Executive Director for the Community Action, Christian Community Action Agent. Christian Community Action, and Shirley Ellis West uh, with the Urban Urban Community Alliance, as well as Giselle Carlotta McDonald, Project Access New Haven. And they're going to introduce themselves a little more. And also we're joined by Alice uh, Corrigan, Community Health Organizer at Clifford Beers. A lot we want to cover. Uh, we have about 55 minutes, so we're going to speed, not speed through, but really be cogent and, and concise. And we're going to kick off with everyone kind of introducing themselves a little further and again, just wishing everyone a, a, a blessed holiday season. I don't think we can say that enough, uh, regardless of what time it is of the year. But let's be let's be prosperous. Let's be helpful. Let's be kind and compassionate. Uh, so who should go? Well, Melanie, maybe we'll, we'll start with Melanie, and then we'll just go through the line. Jennifer and Reverend Grubbs and Shirley and Giselle and Alice in terms of introducing yourselves. Great. Good morning, Tom. I'm Melanie Versace. As you said, I'm the Executive Director of Clifford Beers Community Care Center, and very excited to talk today about the updates to Inc. in New Haven. Jen? Good morning, Tom. Hi, everybody. Nice to see you. Um, My name is Jennifer Richmond, and I'm the Vice President of Population Health at Clifford Beers, and I am the Project Director overseeing the Integrative Care for Kids grant. And I'll hand it over to Reverend Grubbs. And Benita Grubbs, Director of Christian Community Action. It's a social service agency in New Haven. Glad to join all of you. Would Ms. Shirley Ellis-West like to share her? Good morning. I'm Shirley Ellis-West. I'm the Executive Director for Urban Community Alliance. Happy to be here. Giselle? Good morning, everyone. I'm Giselle Carlotta McDonald, the Executive Director of Project Access New Haven, and we are also a local nonprofit in New Haven that help uninsured and underserved patients with access to medical care and services. Thank you for having me. And Alice Corrigan. Alice Corrigan. Oh. I am a community health organizer and 
from here on out, you'll hear us referred to as the CHOs, and it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Excellent, excellent. Let's let's let's, let's jump in, ladies. Uh, you know, we're we're throwing around some acronyms, but what what are you up to? What is what is Connecticut C C T N I C K? What's that? Is it a new Coke, a new Pepsi? Is it a new, is it a new Bitcoin? <laughs> what, 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 what's cooking here with uh, the integrated care? So sure, Tom, I'll start and, um, and others, please feel free to jump in. But um, Connecticut Integrative Care um, for Kids, also known as Connecticut Inc. or CT Inc., is um, a new uh, local service delivery uh, state payment model initiative. Um, Really, it's intended to improve the quality of care for children and families um, using a, a whole family-centered uh, approach and strength-based approach for care coordination. Ultimately, it's really to help families navigate care in a seamless way. Uh, we have um, a certain um, group of, of members in the community that we're focusing on, um, children from zero to 21 and pregnant and postpartum individuals up to one year after, um, after uh, a labor, and then also folks who are on Medicaid and also receiving Husky services and that reside in two zip codes in New Haven. So 06510 and 06511. So those are the New Hallville, um, downtown Dwight, um, West River, Edgewood neighborhoods. And really, um, you know, we, we've we really, I think what makes Inc. Inc. and so special in, uh, is that we, it's about building relationships. It's about building trust. And it's um, really our, our partnerships and building partnerships have been the real key elements to Inc. Um, as Alice mentioned, she is our one of our community health organizers. Um, and our community health organizers have been with us since the beginning, really building relationships in the community, building trust and um, getting out there in the community in the neighborhoods and, and canvassing. Uh, and they are actually concluding sort of their first year of implementation <laughs> and reaching out to members and assessing health needs um, for um, physical health needs, behavioral health needs, and social determinants of health needs or, or social needs. And our other partners that many of them are here on this call um, have been with us from the beginning um, in our partnership council, uh, have been part of our design groups and really helping to inform Inc. Um, and we've learned so much from them that's been so vital. Uh, so we're just so excited to be to be on this, um, this journey with them. We have our partnership council. Um, as I mentioned, we also mm -hmm. partner with our statewide agencies we partner with our administrative service organizations, which is Community Health Network of Connecticut, which is physical health, uh, Beacon Health Options, and also BennyCare, which oversees the dental um, insurance for Medicaid. Uh, and we also have been, um, we have a parent advisory group have who parents have been vital in informing um, this model and giving feedback and as well as our, our learning collaborative, which launched back in June, um, which mm. will be our, our, our ink providers starting in, in January, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but one of the things just to kind of talk about how um, our partnerships are so important and so vital in, in really building um, and informing this model um, is one of the things that we heard in order to do this um, from our partners is that we needed practice transformation dollars. And mm. so 
we've worked really hard to secure funds so that, you know, Christian Community Action uh, Action and Urban Community Alliance and Project Access and the other Inc. providers could um, hire um, intensive care coordinators. And so we're really excited that we were able to do that and so that they can start to, um, we can start to train um, these intensive care coordinators and really onboard them to the INC model so they can start to provide care coordination services to families and members. Fascinating, fascinating. And you've, I really appreciate, Jennifer, the, the, uh, the, the macro context that you've just provided. And certainly if everybody didn't jot down what, what, what you've said, uh, the, the shows are recorded. I say that's kind of tongue in cheek, but also the, I think that the message that building synergy, building coordination, building really uh, strong and uh, productive relationships with so many folks and organizations is so key. You've thrown out this term, intensive care coordination, and and oftentimes we have nonprofit speak, you have corporate speak, you have on the street speak. So what what is this, what is intensive care, kind of unpack this word and phrase intensive care coordination for me. I will be happy to do that for you, Tom. So when we say intensive care coordination, we're putting the social determinants of health at the forefront of the conversation that we're having. It's not just helping families schedule appointments or coordinating appointments. It's all those in-between things that we don't see. And sometimes a lot of those unseen services are the obstacles that stop the families from getting the help that they need. Mm -hmm. So some examples of that are transportation, And I don't just mean, do you have a car or a bus pass? I mean, does the mom or dad have a stroller, a stroller that fits maybe two kids? If Bayo's picking them up for an appointment, can they fit the car seat? Is there a car seat already there? Do they need a car seat to get on the bus? Um, Childcare, getting to an appointment for one child, but is the baby allowed to come? Mm -hmm. Um, Housing needs. Many of our families, there's housing insecurity. They may be in a house. But is it an appropriate housing? Are there enough bedrooms for the ages and genders for those kids? And those are things that an intensive care coordinator can help the family navigate. Um, Food securities, clothes, diapers. A big one is um, getting kids back to school, supplies, uniforms, being an advocate for the parent within the school system, being at those IEP 504 meetings. But what, what's, um, what's IEP? For, for, what's, sorry. What, what is IEP. That? So um, an IEP is an individual educational plan that a child may be on, mm-hmm. or a 504 is a modification plan. And um, they would go to a meeting, a PPT, a planning and placement team. <laughs> and that can be overwhelming for a parent. There's all these professionals there, OT people, speech, PT physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapists, counselors. Um, Sometimes you're just there to hold the parent's hand and make it less intimidating. Um, An example could be you may have a family that has four kids. They're in four different schools across the city. A care coordinator can help the parent navigate that, Mm, work the school system, get those kids all in the same school. Um, We address the social determinants of health. We're looking at um, best practices from other models that we've used in New Haven, such as wraparound. That's family-centered, like Jen mentioned. The team surrounds the family and integrates their care for all of those things that I mentioned before. But more importantly, intensive care coordination 
we're not just meeting the need, we're looking at the healthcare need of the family. And it, what, what is like the, uh, the, the sticking time or the relationship time? Is it limited to, is it like a one-off or do you stay with the person for a few months or? No, right now we're, we're looking at, and someone correct me if I'm wrong, but um, six to 12 months. And I believe the family, if the need is still there, we assess, we reassess at six and 12 months, depending on their level. And if the need is still there, my understanding is we would extend with the family. Great, great. And, and Giselle, do you have anything to, to add to that? Yeah, you know what, what um, as I hear Alice, and, you know, it, it brings me back to, like, the basics of, you know, peeling that onion, like peeling all the layers of need um, and really keeping the family and, and the youth and that person that we're helping at the center. So what is it that they need? Um, and, you know, I love the examples that you were given, Alice, of, you know, that could mean different things for the families that we serve. It could mean transportation, it could be language barriers, financial, housing, all of them together at the same time. Uh, so it's really that relationship of working with the family um, and, and, you know, really taking the stress as much as we can. That's why it's intense because we're, we're trying to take the stress and Alice, you mentioned the handhold and like really uh, being there and that being there might look very different for each family. Um, and Tom, one thing I, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying and loving about this initiative is that uh, we're looking at the best of the best. What does that look like? And it could be that with some families, we might need to be with them for two hours, three hours and have those meetings at the school systems and sit down with the family and help them understand the forms that need to be filled out. What what do they mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in some other families, it might mean that we check in and we might be checking in over the phone and see how they're doing and being there for them when they need us. Um, and the intensity is us taking that, you know, we know that families need a lot. Care coordination has been around for many, many years and many different ways from the hospital and the health system to behavioral health to addressing social determinants of health needs. Um, but this is looking at every aspect of this, um, and that's what's making it intense. And we want it to be very high touch uh, so that we are constantly checking in. Alice mentioned like the length is a long-term relationship that we're looking at, six months to 12 months and even longer if it's necessary. Uh, so it's very, very exciting to us, Tom. Those that have been doing this type of service to the community and being able to address all of the needs for that family, it's its huge. Excellent. Uh, in terms of the excitement, I'm excited as well because I was somewhat, maybe not joking successfully, but but just kind of going down memory lane a little bit before we came on air that many of us on this call, including myself, have been involved with nonprofit initiatives that are no longer around. And I was thinking about maybe even doing a, the need for obituaries, kind of a reflective archaeological kind of standpoint about why some things thrive and some things um, seem to uh, seem seem to dissipate. But so 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 let's jump in in terms of what really are we trying to accomplish and and, and you know why and the rationale why are we doing it? It's, uh, s- solutions. Let, let's hear about you know what, what's driving us to to make this world a better place. As Alice and Giselle have been talking about care coordination, um, we know care coordination helps families. And all of the um, 
you know, providers that are uh, going to be providing the intensive care coordination services have been providing care coordination all along. And so really, <laughs> Inc. is about just, um, you know, really, we're, we're trying to demonstrate this intensive model um, and in, in a way, sort of a proof of concept, right, to, to be able to scale it across New Haven to other zip codes mm. and hopefully, ultimately, the state. But again, ultimately, really we're really trying to provide a uh, seamless care coordination across providers for members or for families and for children in a seamless way. Um, and, you know, we are going to be, um, are, we're going to be starting in January of 2023 with our sort of next phase of implementation with our learning collaborative early adopter Inc. providers Um which we have seven Inc. providers who are going to be providing these intensive care coordination services. And our community health organizers are going to be really their sort of liaison, if you will, or their single point of contact, helping to sort out barriers or any challenges and support them in in working with children and families. Um, And, you know, it's really to kind of demonstrate the intensive care coordination and have a proof of concept again, so that we can continue to build and and scale. Um, and ultimately, you know, one of you know one of the other things around this is that all of these providers, these community based organization providers, have been providing care coordination all along, right? mm-hmm. and they're relying pretty much solely on grant funding. And so the big shift here is that. Um, these community-based organizations are now going to be able to get reimbursed with Medicaid dollars for that care coordination they've been providing. Good. Good. So it's Good. really, really exciting. Good. Just, just wondering, Giselle or Reverend Grubbs or Shirley uh, Ellis West, as Jennifer was speaking, if you had have any thoughts in that regard. So, um, so I think that you know, we, regardless as to what we, so in some. Um, you know, places called care coordination, peer urban community, we call it case management, um, parent advocates. I mean, there are a lot of labels that um, that connect us to specifically what Giselle was just talking about under the role of care coordination. And I think, you know, and I don't think, but many of the families that we see in the city, they come, you know, the, 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 the barriers and the challenges and the, and the support look so very, very different depending on, you know, who this family is. So, you know, I, I circle back to the individual educational plans, the PPT process, you know, very, very intimidating for a family mm-hmm. based on many things, based on, on, on awareness or, or, or understanding of the information or how important it is to that child's educational program. So when that advocate, that case manager, or that care coordinator is in the room, there, he or she is not in the room to, to, to make decisions for me or to tell me what to do, but to prepare me and to help me to understand how important this process is to my child's educational program, whether it be a 504, you know, or, 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 or just, you know, the, the, um, the IEP. So when I think about those things and, and how we support families in our judicial systems, in our, in our, in our, whether it be juvenile court or adult court, a father with child, a, a father with child support, 
um, you know, that needs to help mm. with child support navigating, mm. how mm. we connect the father back to, to his family. Mm-hmm. All of these things are, 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 um, or, or meet the role of what I think when I think about care coordination, regardless as to what we call it. Excellent. And, and Reverend Brebs, I guess, just wondered also if you had any thoughts in this regard. Well, I think I go back to how CCA started. And that was, I wasn't there at the time, but uh, which is really trying to meet an emergent need you know, to, to handle the crisis. And while that's very, very important to the basic services that we offer, what we understand is that there's a next level of support that families need. And so our housing program uh, at the shelter is one way in which we try to provide a place for folks who are in harm's way from a housing point of view. We took on the task of looking at, so what is really the next step? And the next step for us has been the New Hope Housing Program, because what we understand is that while we can do what we can do with not case managers, but family coaches, is to be able to surround the family with the supports and encouragement that they need in order to be able to take that next step and take better care of their families. So I think what we've done is uh, offer a concentric circle of service delivery, Mm. Mm. not just at the level of emergency, but what can we do beyond that to provide, afford families the opportunity to become more stable than what they were before. And that involves, by the way, um, not just us providing services, but really working with other agencies in the community mm-hmm. because we don't have the expertise mm-hmm. in every area possible. Shirley just talked about the Board of Education and, and the kinds of uh, challenges and the kinds of activities and programs that they have to offer. It really is developing what I would describe as a community-based approach mm-hmm. and a family-centric approach mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense to solve a problem that the family doesn't either know or doesn't want to solve. Right. But really engage the family in the <laughs> process of uh, of really determining what their own destiny is. Right. Um, we have another part of the work, which is in through our advocacy and education project, because empowerment is also a part of that. And having people use their voices to make change at the system at systemic level is important. Mm-hmm. So Mothers mm-hmm. and Others for Justice is a group that's been around for many, right. many years right. to be able to have, develop, use. Um, their voices to be able to demand change because who better to be able to talk about what changes are important to make in our uh, public systems than individuals who are recipients of services within the community. Mm -hmm. Finally, I think Mm -hmm. that uh, having us really focus on what I'll describe as family-centered or person-centered service Mm -hmm. goes a long way towards really trying to not only uh, help us to achieve our goals. That's secondary, but primarily mm-hmm. that we leave the family better off than the way we found it. That's right. It's yeah. not entirely up to us. That's it's right. really up to the families and the support that we can offer That's uh, right. and the ways in which we can absolutely encourage families. Because I'd rather have somebody free than in bondage any time of the day from mm-hmm. a right. social mm-hmm. point of view. Mm-hmm. Spiritual too, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> We'll have to have you back. We, we'll have to have you back, Reverend Grubbs. And, hey, that's right. You know, just pet past the collection plate and all that kind of just, uh, I just wondered if there's, if uh, Alice or Giselle, if you might even have any stories that kind of continued 
that can uh, additionally amplify what Reverend Grubbs and, and Shirley have kind of have kind of indicated in terms of problems we're trying to solve. I'm happy to jump in. You know, uh, Tom, I was thinking about uh, many of the families and individuals that we have helped throughout the years, and and one that to me the mo it's more recent. Uh, that describe what Reverend Grobs, you were describing about keeping the family at the center and working with the family. Mm -hmm. um, we had uh, received a, 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 a referral for, for a child that, um, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, Tom, sometimes, you know, I always like to share like this type of work is really hard, right? Like when we talk mm -hmm. about intense care coordination and helping the community and, and Shelly, you were sharing too, like they, they have such a diverse and such a need that it's really hard work for us to really try to address all the layers of need. And, and um, you know, even I see it on my team, like, you know, the, we, we take the stress too, like we feel what, what our community is feeling and, and in this case, this was a, a referral from a child that was terminally ill. And, and it's really hard when we, we get referrals like that because, you know, we are working on access to health and, and we want to see, uh, you know, great outcomes. And we, you know, uh, and in this case was uh, a child in palliative care and it was referred to us because the family was struggling and the, the, you know, the, the, there was a whole team behind already working with the family. Um, there was a team from uh, legal, from the housing, uh, pub, uh, the Department of Public Housing, uh, multiple uh, social workers from different departments across the, the healthcare, mm -hmm. and our CHW, in this case, was a community health worker that, that started working with the family. What we found was that the, the mom was struggling mostly because of language barriers. So it, there was a disconnection between what the, the mom uh, really found uh, as, as an urgency for her family to get the needs uh, addressed. And, and there was a whole team uh, trying to help, but there was, there was a, a link missing, and that was the CHW. And in this case, in, in INC, it would be the intense care coordinator that, you know, again, those titles like Shelly was sharing. Um, and in conversations and working with the mom, what we, what we found was that uh, yes, there were a lot of uh, housing needs. There was actually a pest infestation, unfortunately, and, and the landlord in, the, in, the, in, in that case was not being helpful, and that's why legal was involved. Mm -hmm. um, and in conversations with the mom, what we found that the, the most urgent need for the household um, even though there were other needs, right? We were dealing with a child that is, is, is in palliative care that, that needs a lot of healthcare needs in home. Uh, mom is, is, uh, needs a lot of support. Um, and, but the food need was the, the mom's uh, on top of the list of, on, on that layer of need. Mm -hmm. um, she was struggling with feeding her other children because she was caring full time for her child. Mm -hmm. She was, you know, she was 24 seven caring for a child while trying to feed uh, her other child in the household. So, so uh, it all started with that uh, language barrier that she could not do the whole team that was trying to help her. She, she struggled to, to share like, you know, in that, in that plan that she had was first, mm -hmm. I need to feed my household. I need that food assistance. And then I need help with housing. And then I need a housing that, that it's uh, also wheelchair accessible uh, because she had all these needs for the child that she was caring for. Mm -hmm. um, so again, just, you know, to me, that represents that, um, you know, working 
in the center, it's the priority, working with the family, working with that caregiver, um, and really creating a plan to address the most urgent needs with the family. Um, and then as, you know, Reverend Grubbs and others in the community, we know that there's, you know, smaller nonprofit like ourselves, we cannot do it alone. We, we have that network of resources that uh, we connect with constantly uh, for every family. Uh, you know, I re we refer mm -hmm. often for, from everyone in this call, when we have someone that needs services, we know uh, who can help. And we, we, we're that connector, that network that we want to be for the families. Uh, but, but there's so many, unfortunately, so many cases and so many families right now. Um, if anything more now that what we're seeing, uh, you know, mm. after mm. The, the pandemic, after COVID, uh, the financial struggles right now. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's, that, that, that's a, a big one to me because, unfortunately, mm -hmm. this was a child that wasn't, you know, uh, had really, really delicate um, care needs. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I want to... Go ahead, please. Please, Melanie. Tom, I, I would say, you know, to build off what Giselle said, I think it's one of the unique things about Inc. is how we're really trying to work together as a network. Um, there's a lot of nonprofits in New Haven, and a lot of times everyone wants their particular territory, and that's just not here. Um, for this, we're, we're really trying to understand what each other's expertise are so we can have this family in the center. Mm -hmm. um, we can have those needs met. I mean, uh, our, one of our motivations for for this work was around a case that really didn't go well. Um, it was a little girl that we had that was uh, seven. She came to us. Her pediatrician had referred her. Um, she had two sisters and two brothers in the house. They were in um, pretty unstable housing. There was also a lot of domestic violence issues going on. She was seven. She was still in kindergarten. Um, you know, there was mice and mold in the house, um, and there were so many issues. Um, and we, we did get mom to come in and she came in for the first intake and she talked to us about all the issues. Um, and then after that, we just couldn't, couldn't get them back in. Mom wasn't able to get there. There were too many things that were going on, too many issues with, with, um, multiple kids. And, and we felt like it was a, a failure to us. That was a little bit, um, prior to, you know, they weren't even in care coordination yet. We were in intake and trying to fill out, fill out, find out what the needs were. Um, and ultimately DCF ended up coming into that home and taking those kids um, and they were separated. And that was one of our motivations for this work and making connections. And, you know, there were housing needs and there, um, the little girl also had chronic asthma that caused her to go in and out of hospitalization um, there were multiple kids in the home um, that were, and, and there was just lots of struggles and lots of violence in the home. So there were lots of ways in which, you know, now sort of Monday morning quarterbacking ways in which we could have done things so much better um, to be able to have, uh, to be successful with that family and help them address all those needs. And, and that's what this work is supposed to be doing is who do we know? Who do we tap into? Um, if you have an issue with your own personal life or a friend comes to you, you're like, okay, I know somebody that can help you with that. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is supposed to be. I, I know somebody that can help you with that. And we're going to sit with you until we get it all figured out. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Reverend Grubbs. And I'm sorry. Go ahead. go ahead. I wanted to add to that really quick with Melanie mm -hmm. was just sharing. 
part of uh, my role as a CHO is I'm in the community a lot. And I'm at events, I'm canvassing. And we recently run a canvas and the Department of Health was there. Mm -hmm. And they have a new program called Healthy Homes, which mm -hmm. would have helped mm -hmm. this little girl that Melanie's talking about. It would have helped mm -hmm. Giselle's little girl. They're grants mm -hmm. that people don't know about and they go in and they make your home healthy, whether it be rodents mm -hmm. or fixing a broken stair or lead um, mold, all those types of things. And so we as CHOs, we get that information and, um, and ICC would have that same information because they know all those resources and they could pass that along and help a family. So that's a perfect example of what we do. Alice, that's a perfect example. Reverend Grubbs and, and Shirley, Alice West and Giselle, I wanted to kind of circle back to you because as I think of you three, and the number of years that in, the three of you have individually been involved with, uh, I'll use the, the metaphor, loving the, actively loving the community and demonstrating your love for the community. Why, why did you decide to get involved with this? I mean, you, you have, you could have just been leading your own life and leading your own organizations and being the success that you are. But I'm curious about the, the, the stimulus for you to still kind of link arms with this particular initiative. Mm -hmm. Reverend Grubbs, I'll start with you. Mm -hmm. So, and the, what comes to mind immediately is a verse of scripture that they may, may have life, but they can have it more abundantly. Mm -hmm. And I think it, that's a spiritual endeavor, but it involves many other areas of consideration. Um, but as uh, Giselle was talking, it reminded me of something I learned many years ago, which was Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And at the base, it's physiological. Beyond that, there's safety. And then there's the higher level, I'll call order of needs, having to do with how people feel about themselves. Do they love themselves? Do they love their children? Do they have that sense of empathy? Do they feel as if they belong in a community? So many individuals that we see at CCA don't feel as if they're connected to a supportive network, a supportive community, and, and there are certainly institutions that in the name of protecting the family will do things that may tear the family apart. And so mm -hmm. how, how can that connective tissue and level of support be very much a part of this particular program that takes the family to a place of, I'll call it self-actualization. I'll skip over one, but what does it mean to feel as mm -hmm. if you are an individual as a parent, that you're taking good care of your children, that you have connections with supported institutions and, and individuals, so that that ultimate goal is really about improving the quality of life for the family in the various ways that they define, not another institution defines mm -hmm. and pushes mm -hmm. them into. Because the last time I checked, no one can make us really do anything unless we're willing to do it. And so it's the engagement with the individual head of household or heads of household so that they feel as if there is not just someone who cares, but someone who will absolutely provide the kind of support and maybe even invite them onto a pathway of connection with mm. institutions and organizations. So after it's all done, they don't have five case managers. They have none. <laughs> Abolish the need, right? Abolish the need. Yeah. So that's my, that's my take. It's about really you know, the, the level of, and at CCA, I'll say one other thing, that we have changed the way in which we are providing services because we know that the emergency services are really important, but employment and childcare and having a voice and using it are critical to mm -hmm. the self, building the self-esteem of the family, head of household, and having a healthy household. 
Mm-hmm. And, and surely, in terms of the abolishing the need, or not immediately, but just working toward the pathway to to eliminating the problems. What what are some of your reflections on why you decided to get involved? So, I mean, first, I want to you know thank um, you know Reverend Gloves for we you know focusing us on person centered um, support because that's what this is really. Um, about and doing that, um, you know, and doing that with some being intentional in doing that. So in time, when I think about, um, when I think about seeing, empowering and loving our families and thank you for, um, you know, your, um, you know, uh, who, how, uh, how you see us in the community um, providing service and support to those individuals in, in the community that, that are near and dear. So this is more than just work for uh, for me. It's, 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 it's more about really doing something to impact and make a difference, you know, on the quality of life for those in my community. Um, and so, so one of the models that we had, that we continue to um, honor within our work here at Urban Community Alliance is case management that includes home visiting. Hmm. So a home visit for us is not to um, be nosy, you know, judgmental. Um, You know, a home visit represents several things when we, at the initial stage of engaging a family. It, It, I think it connects us to the family a little differently. It gives us, as the advocates and the helping professional, the opportunity to see things that we wouldn't see if we just brought that family into mm-hmm. the office and mm-hmm. did an intake. And, you know, it gives, it gives us the opportunity to really support families based on what real need, okay, what, what, what the needs are within the family that may not be a part of the grant that we wrote, you know, the goals of, you know, you know, the goals and outcomes for the family. It gives us the opportunity to dig uh, much deeper and to support the family in a different way based on what we're seeing or assessing or understanding mm-hmm. at, during that home visit. Mm-hmm. Um, but more importantly, I think that it gives us the opportunity to empower families to resolve or or to improve challenges that really that 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 will be much more impactful in helping them to stand alone when we're no longer there. Right? So if it's a housing issue, then in and you know, in our advocacy leads someone to better housing then, you know, that that's something that they can sustain when we're no longer in that family. Mm-hmm. That, that educational program that really um, improves the quality of education that that child will, will ultimately receive, that's impactful in a, in a long-term way. So the goal, the goal for, for that home visit is much bigger than what I think mm. most of us mm. understand. When we when we do that, when we when twice a during that intervention, we show up at that home in the beginning and at the end, 
and we and we determine how helpful we are or or how helpful we were not. So I think those are some of the things that you know um, you know this this collaboration um, and and this partnership will will help us to improve upon and provide a different level of access mm-hmm. to, the, to the children, youth, families, and, and individuals we serve. Tremendous. We have about 13 more minutes, so as things cross your mind and just want to, uh, uh, issues you want to discuss that we might, that might be burning in your hearts, but certainly we want to talk about future goals and getting the word out in 2023 and how people can get more information. Uh, but I guess wanted to, Reverend Grubbs and, and, and uh, Shirley Ellis West, if, if you both wanted to share any more about the uh, the community benefit, the, 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 and, and anybody can kind of comment on this. But what 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 is kind of the would be the the, the tangible community benefit? I'm, my my reporting hat sometimes comes on when you do an article or interview somebody. You're always kind of asked that question, like why why is the person or the organization in existence? What's your your ex- existential purpose, and what are the solutions? So is it just uh, spending the taxpayer money, or is there or or are the citizens going to get a return? on the investment. So I just wondered how you saw this, this particular new uh, collaboration benefiting uh, folks um, in the, in the future, in the immediately as well as in the future. And then also, I guess a follow-up question would be what, what New Haven community needs uh, still need to be addressed. Um, as many of you know, I'm a new alder here in New Haven and going to the various meetings. It, it amazes me how the issues still are so, so unresolved. So uh, it's kind of an open-ended question for everyone, but I just wondered if Reverend Grubbs or, Anyone else would like to kind of weigh in on that? I'm going to say, hopefully, just three things. One is that the way in which we approach our services has less to do with case management, but much more to do with family coaching. So that by the time that the interaction in whatever way it ends, that the family would be stronger. Hmm. We, I mentioned earlier that our idea is to promote independence. Well, we, none of us is really at that level, but at least there's a, a higher level of independence and a determination of the family's destiny because of the work that's being done, not just with the, the heads of household, but the collaboration with other organizations who have much more experience and expertise in areas that CCA does not. So having a partnership that's a level playing field is really, I think, critically important to achieving the goal of supporting the family to that place of care without INCK. If we do our work well, then there will be a tangible and lasting and transformative difference in the quality of life of the individuals that we will be working with over the the period of this grant. And I think it would be a model that would be worth replicating because at the end of the day, just, just to repeat, we can't be all things to all people, but we can do some specific things to participate in a process so that winning, and I mean mm. winning mm. Um, at the family level, mm-hmm. can broaden itself to the community level and in so many other ways that would keep people from being in a crisis situation, um, being homeless, not having enough money, not having a job that pays a living wage. All of those things are really next steps in this process. And I think it's just critical to be able to think about how do we integrate the services 
to use the first word of INCK, how do we do work at integrating the services in such a way that uh, that families would really increase uh, their level of independence and improve their quality of life? So there wouldn't have to be another one of these because we've already taken care of or at least put a system in place mm-hmm. where that integration and communication and collaboration can be possible. That's not always easy to be able to achieve, but I think it's worth trying because why not? Absolutely. And, and, and Melanie, you had mentioned uh, in terms of the Medicaid role and, and kind of uh, facilitating these this interactive process and service delivery. Just maybe explain a little bit about why that's so critical, the Medicaid dollars. The, the Medicaid dollars really help with the sustainability part of this. Um, right now, it's really been, um, as I think Jen stated in the beginning, all grant funding is how this has been funded before, which, you know, you're, as a nonprofit, you're sort of always holding your breath as to which if a grant is going to end, what do I have to do to make sure this this keeps coming? Having it be Medicaid reimbursable gives just another funding stream for providers. And we worked really hard with this project. I learned so much. I worked in state government for a long time, but it was very eye-opening to me to be a part of a Medicaid process where I realized how important it was that we have you have the right people at the table when you're trying to even decide what Medicaid authority they're going to use to pay for something. Like, mm-hmm. are you leaving people out immediately just by picking a Medicaid authority that requires a provider to have a medical director mm-hmm. or an APRN or something like that? So we worked really hard to make sure there was a, a, a Medicaid authority for this that was the most inclusive possible. Um, it was one of the ways in which we're really trying to build an equity. Um, as Reverend Grubb says, no, no one could, we can't do this alone. This work is about the relationships, but sometimes you have to make the systems be set up in a way that can encourage the relationship. Mm-hmm. You have to, and if you're not at the table with the voice, with the, with the right voices at the table to push on those systems to say, no, we don't want to do it the same way that you've been doing it all these years. We want to do it differently. Um, and that, that was a very powerful thing to be able to sort of, you know, be at the table and debate with DSS around what was really going to be important to make sure that we were inclusive as possible. Um, and we really got to where we needed to be. And we would go back and check things with providers, even in regard to how much the Medicaid reimbursement was going to be for this service. Mm. Initially, it was a much lower rate because we were trying to make it fit into the budget that the state gave us. Um, and, and all the providers said, that's, that's not going to work. It's not going to be adequate. So we went back and, and we made a much more robust reimbursement. Um, we heard providers when they said, how do we, this is reimbursement. How are we even going to get it off the ground? Mm-hmm. Um, so we found, <laughs> we found funders that are going to help us fund practice transformation, which means in real you know, uh, concrete terms that we're able to, to give them dollars so they could hire people. Mm. Um, and, and that's not a regular, a, mm-hmm. a regular occurrence when it comes to, to work like this, especially when you're working with government. So we worked really hard to do things differently to try to disrupt some of the racist systems, because that's really what it is, is there's inherent racism built into our systems. And we have to have the right people at the table saying, not today, we're going to do it different today. And we're going to work together. 
Um, and, and that's really what's been so invaluable about this is the really listening because you can ask people and check off the box and say you ask them, but then you don't really do anything to, to make it different. Um, and we really tried to be responsive to what we were hearing and we will continue to do that. And um, I hope that we won't need, as Reverend Grubb says, this INCK thing, but I hope that we are able to work together to create a roadmap for other communities mm-hmm. to be able to do this, it, to mm-hmm. make it make it replicable, um, to make it sustainable. And it's going to take a lot. It's This project is currently funded by federal dollars. We, we're getting state dollars from DCF who say we know flex funding is really important because the difference between just case management and care coordination is access to flex funding yeah. dollars. Yeah. That is the difference. That's what makes care coordination care coordination because you're able to immediately respond to families' needs with flex funding dollars right. that don't have parameters around it. So you can get somebody a washer and dryer real quick, or you can help um, pay for, for anything that they need for repairs in the home. Um, and DCF is helping to fund that. We have the Medicaid dollars. We have funding from private foundations that are saying we're interested in this work. We're interested in this whole family, whole community approach to care. And we're going to put our money where our mouth is. So this is truly a braided and blended funding approach to community services. Um, and it's it's really exciting to be a part of. We have about five more minutes and it's so exciting. We have to do it. going to have to do another yeah. show, Melanie. Yeah. Uh, so, but but, but, but um, Tom, can I just add to please. Melanie? So, so for a community-based organization, you know, we've been doing these things anyway. I mean, whether, so, so we get a grant and you're right. We're limited in what we can do in the grant, but because we're advocates and, and we are in this, in this to, to support family, we are we are navigating these these types of situations anyway, but we've been doing it without any compensation or any you know it just it, it becomes a part of the work. So this is an opportunity to have community based organization get compensated for something that we've been doing for so many years, and this is the first time that we're we have the opportunity to get compensated for it in a way where. Well, where 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 the community where the com- the community based organization benefits, but more importantly, the family benefits mm, mm. because you know a family comes in, we do a home visit, we see that there's some health care, we see that there's a health care need here, you know, but because it's not really a fo- the focus of what we do. If we're not, if we stay there, then we don't dig deeper to say, okay, well, you need. I mean, it looks like you're having a problem reading this. Well, my eyes are bad, right? And so now, so you just told me that my eyes are bad, but it's really not a part of anything that I'm dealing with right now. So what do I do with that? Well, this is an opportunity to to make a referral to those experts and those partners to say, well, you know. You know, Mr. Tom might need a little eye exam here. So what can we do? I mean, so this that's the difference in and I think this new relationship with CT Inc. And and what we're gonna be doing for the first time here in New Haven or maybe in Connecticut, um, that 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 will give um greater access to our families, um, to to what they really need, and the, the community-based organization can now be compensated for for that level of work. 
So I just wanted to add that and thank you, Melody. No, no, thank you, Fred. We have, we have three more minutes. Uh, in terms of getting the word out about this is, I mean, it, it's embryonic, but it's also unfolding and, and it, it's manifesting. So how, Alice, uh, how are we getting the word out about uh, CTA? Um, I, we have a wonderful marketing communication team. We started out by building a website. If you just Google CT Inc., it's that simple. Mm-hmm. We're one of the first, if not second, things that pop up in the server. Um, we have flyers we're going out. As I mentioned, canvassing. We're all over the place. We're in the neighborhoods where people are asking about CMTs and alders, and we're directing them on how to find those people. We're calling. We're making phone calls. We're at community events, food drives, parades. And um, we're looking at getting something like maybe a loot newsletter out mm-hmm. that would have highlights in it, highlights that our providers do, highlights that um, are going in the community. And um, as mentioned earlier, our parent advisory group, right. which we meet monthly with families in the community, and they advise the things that we're working on. And I think, honestly, they're our, our biggest way to get word out there. It's an underground network of people talking about us. And finally, um, beginning of 2023, we will have a letter going out to the above-mentioned zip codes. Mm-hmm. So be on the lookout for that. And, and we're going to keep keep talking until they play the music. And so the music means we're going to keep talking. So, so uh, future goals, anybody jump in because the music uh- is I would love to just, I mean, Alice talked about that in, in uh, January of 2023, we're going to start to reach out to members and our ink providers um, are going to start to provide care coordination services. But really beyond that, you've heard everyone speak to it so beautifully today. The families are at the center. So while we're trying to demonstrate sort of components of the model of, of assessing needs and care plans and um, and things like that. It's really about the families being at the center, driving the care of what they're identifying, of what they need, so that we can together as providers and community build a network of support for them and come together and really helping to support them navigate care in a seamless way. And to what Reverend Grubb said, you know, in that in the Maslow's hierarchy of needs is to start to feel that connection, to feel mm-hmm. held, right? We've got someone for you. And, and ultimately, that is the goal. And to continue to hear from Shirley and Reverend Grubbs and, and Giselle and other partners of how we can do this better. And that's really our, that's our, that's what we're really looking forward to in future goals is just to keep hearing from them, keep listening and keep making those changes. Great. Who would like to have one or two last words? Quickly, ladies, anyone. That should be our North Star. And, and the North Star is even before Frederick Douglass. I mean, and it's in the Bible, just. Reverend Grubbs, elaborate when you say the North Star should be our guide, our, our guiding, our guiding light, uh, something that we should just pay homage to. What, what does it yeah, mean? Yeah, it's you? a it's it's a sense of vision, and as long as we yeah. keep the vision, you know, that as long as we keep a sense of where it is that we're headed, we won't get tripped up by the small things right. that happen along the way. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Even in the darkness. That's right. Ladies, thank you so much. Wishing you both, everyone, kind of a happy holiday season and really appreciate the opportunity to help uh, get the word out and anything I can do in 23. I'm looking forward to staying staying, uh, alive and healthy and prosperous myself so I could do that. So uh, 
And, and thank, thank you, Tom. You. Happy holidays and congratulations, Tom, on your Thanks, new man. on your new elected official um, role um, for you. Ward Twenty Eight. Congratulations. Thank you. As a former yes. alder, as a former alder, you know that's a that's a, a mixed message. But I, I but I'll, I'll take the uh, I'll take the best the best part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you for having us. Thank you. 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 Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, yeah Cause this is my run, let's camera action, I'm ready to go I'm never gonna give up, give up Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, yeah Yeah, this is my run, let's camera action, I'm ready to go Way too long, we faced them storms, now you gon' face the dawn, you